So it's uh, good to be together again. And as you know, we're going to use this short time each day this week to uh, to think briefly about the events of, of Holy Week, that last week of Jesus' life. And as we do so, we trust that it will encourage us to, in our, in our thinking and in our worship. And um, as the Queen said last night, maybe to take a little more time this week for, for prayer and reflection. So let's just pray together and uh, then we'll read. And uh, yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can join together this, on this beautiful morning again. And Lord, we are conscious that, that this is a very important time of the year. And so, Father, we pray that as we read your word, you'd help us to hear, to listen, and Lord, to be able and want to respond to what you would say to us. We ask that for your glory. Amen. Amen. So let's read together from Mark chapter 11. We're going to start at verse 12. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. And we're going to read through to verse 19. The next day, as they, that's Jesus and his disciples, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this, and they began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. So it's Monday morning. Well, it's Monday morning for us, of course, but it was Monday morning then. And Jesus is walking that road from Bethany, where he spent the night, back into Jerusalem. It's a journey of a couple of miles. Almost certainly he spent the night at the home of his friends, at uh, Lazarus and Martha and Mary. And that's where he, we think he would spend each night of this week. And so that morning, that Monday morning, he and his disciples, and maybe a few others, we don't know, they make that return trip to Jerusalem. The very same road, of course, the very same route that he'd walked on Sunday. Um, but yesterday, things had been very different, as Mark reminded us yesterday, hadn't they? Yesterday, they'd been part of a huge number of people, a growing crowd of people, uh, where Jesus was the center of attention, and, and where there was such excitement, such anticipation. This was the prophet. Is this the prophet from Nazareth? Some people were shouting. Other people were shouting out, weren't they? Those references to the Messiah in the Old Testament. 
So yesterday, Sunday morning, very different as he made that journey into Jerusalem. Today, a much smaller group of people, Jesus and his disciples. And we're told Jesus was hungry. We don't know why he was hungry. He was just hungry. Maybe, maybe he'd had no breakfast. Maybe he'd had no breakfast because he'd done what he perhaps often did. And that was to get up early in the morning and to pray to his father. But Jesus is hungry and he sees, as he walks along, he sees this wonderful fig tree, it's lovely, lovely green leaves. And he thinks, I'll go and find something to eat. Now, as we read, it's not the season for figs, but I understand that early on, there was an early growth of small buds that also were eaten. And maybe Jesus went looking for those. And he finds nothing. He finds no fruit. And then he says these strange words, doesn't he, directly to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Why did he say that? I mean, was Jesus upset, angry that he couldn't find anything to eat? No, we know that's not like Jesus. The reality is, is that he was, he was, he was, being, he was making a, a prophecy in a sense, being prophetic, but he was also giving a visual aid, a visual aid that would connect to what was going to happen, not just that day, but also in the rest of that week. Anyway, he and the disciples then carry on into, into Jerusalem. And Jesus knows where he's going, and, he, and I believe he knows exactly what he's going to do. Remember the day before, on Sunday, um, he'd, he'd gone into Jerusalem. It said at the end of that day, he went to the temple and he looked around. But as it was late, he left and he went back to Bethany. And I believe he knew then what he was going to do on Monday morning. And so he goes straight to the temple. The temple, of course, was a fantastic building, one of the wonders of the ancient world. Herod had been working on it for many years. Lots of beautiful uh, stonework, lots of gold. And, of course, as Mark reminded us yesterday, many thousands of, of pilgrims, many thousands of pilgrims gathered there for the Passover celebrations. And, of course, also non-Jews, Gentiles, Gentiles who come to know and worship the God of Israel would also gather at that time in Jerusalem. And Jesus goes into the court of the Gentiles, goes into the court of the Gentiles, and what does he find? Well, he finds exactly what he knew he was going to find. He finds that the court of the Gentiles, that precinct, that large precinct around one side of the temple, had become a marketplace, a place where animals for sacrifice were, were sold and bought, a place where people exchanged their money to buy Jewish shekels so that they could buy their sacrifices. It had also become just a thoroughfare, a highway for people carrying stuff in, in, into and around the temple. What does Jesus do? Jesus do, does exactly what he intends to do. And that was to stop it, to stop this happening. And so we have these scenes, dramatic scenes, don't we, as he turns over the tables of the money changers. You can imagine, can't you, all the coins rolling along the floor and people diving down to pick them up. And he turns over the benches where they're selling animals. And you can hear the sound of the, of the birds, the doves and the other animals as they're disturbed. 
And then as he stands there and he stops people walking through and says, you're not going this way anymore. Why? Why this, what in some ways sounds a very extreme reaction. Jesus explains his actions, doesn't he, in the teaching. And we've only got a snippet of that teaching here. When he quotes from two Old Testament prophets, he quotes from Isaiah, when he says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Isaiah chapter 56. And then he quotes from Jeremiah, when he talks about you've made it a den of robbers. And you might want to later today, perhaps, or after this, have a look at those two chapters from the Bible. I'm not going to turn to them now or read from them. But if you look at them, you'll see that Jesus is not taking those verses out of context. If you look at them, you'll see that, that actually those two chapters are, are very poignant to what is going on in that temple courtyard. Isaiah 56 is all about how people from all nations, foreigners, would be drawn and come to know and to worship God. Isaiah says that those people, those foreigners, would find joy. God says that they would find joy in my house of prayer. It's God's intention that people of all nations should come to know him and to worship him. And that had been true from the very beginning. If you look back at 1 Kings chapter 8, when Solomon prays at the dedication of that first temple, he also prays that foreigners will come, come there, and that people, people from all over the earth would come to know, to know the name of, of God. And the court of the Gentiles, of course, is where that was meant to happen, isn't it? The court of the Gentiles is where those foreigners could come and worship God. They weren't allowed into any other part of the temple. Now, it's just a marketplace, just a place for business and, and, and carrying stuff through. Jeremiah 7 is a prophecy against the people of his day, where, where Jeremiah prophesies against them because the people were saying we've got the temple we've got the temple we're, we're following through the sacrifices we're doing those things that God wants us to do we will therefore know God's blessing it will be wonderful it'll be okay and Jeremiah says no it won't no it won't be like that because you know what yours is just an empty show it's just a it's just an outward appearance it's just an empty religion. Because the reality is, although you're doing those things and you're coming to the temple and you're worshipping, the reality is that there's no true worship. You're living as you want to live. You're not living the way God intends you to live. You're, you're, you're worshipping the temple, but you're also worshipping other gods. And the way you're living is, is, is despicable. And therefore, God's judgment would come. Again, all outward show. Lots of leaves, but no fruit. And Jesus says here, there will be, there knows there will be consequences 
for the nation of Israel. Consequences that he didn't want to happen. That's why, as Mark pointed out yesterday, that's why when Jesus came into Jerusalem on Sunday, after all the shouting and all the, all the welcome and all the rest of it, that's why he wept. He wept. And the word's not just for a, a tear in the corner of the eye. The, the word is he sobbed. He sobbed because he knew what judgment for Israel would mean. If only they'd listen to the prophets. If only they would now listen to him. If only they'd realize who he was and be willing to change, then things could be so different. But no, they would not. Forty years later, of course, we know that physical destruction judgment came upon Jerusalem. city was destroyed. That wonderful temple didn't have one single stand, didn't have a stone left standing after the Romans destroyed it. Like the fig tree, it would all come to an end. So Jesus, at the end of that day, goes back to Bethany to stay, no doubt, as I said, at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And, um, and then the next morning, the same thing happens. They get up and they walk back into Jerusalem. And of course, as they walk back into Jerusalem, Peter notices the fig tree, doesn't he? And he says, he shouts out, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Jesus' words had come true. The fig tree was dead. It would bear no more fruit. As we think about this last week of Jesus' life, we're reminded, of course, and Jesus knew this, that there's a far greater curse that was going to be worked out and operative. If you want to look at, not now, we won't read it, but you might want to look at it afterwards yourself. If you look at Galatians chapter 3, you'll see how Paul talks about how Jesus became a curse for us, how he bore God's judgment. Not for his own sin, but for ours. And so that we might, Gentiles, non-Jews, as well as Jews, be redeemed. Verse 14 of chapter 3 said this, He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Through him taking the curse, there would be blessing. There would be blessing. He bore the curse, but we would receive a blessing. There would be fruit. There would be fruit. Fruit that includes each and every one of us today. Let me just read those other well-known couple of verses from Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Surely he took up our infirmities and he carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, 
we were healed. Wonderful passage, wonderful truth. Something perhaps for us to think about as we begin this week, this very special week. Jesus' death brought forth fruit, fruit that includes us, that we might have peace with God.